It's a special episode today where we're going to be talking to T.W. Warren, a mm -hmm. longtime watcher of mine. I'm very excited to have them here. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit, you know, about, about all the stuff that you've heard on the previous uh, interview episodes. They play... Well, I'll let them introduce their character. TW1, yeah. please, take it away. Introduce yourself. Introduce your character. Uh, oh, am... and it's Jacob. It's Jacob. Let me let me finish. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Uh, and it is, of course, Jacob Gordis speaking right now. Um, yeah. Of course it is. Yeah, your chain master. Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. Or, uh, go uh, ahead, you could always, you, If you do it nicely, it's the Jeff Goldblum. But, mm, ah, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Please go ahead. I regret everything I've done so far in life. Mm, yes, okay, yes, right, absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm T.W. Warren, Stinky Wizard, you know this. Uh, I play Jean-Paul Pierre Martin. Uh, you know. Uh, all right, hold on. Let's let's start that back from the top. <laughs> What's up, y'all? It's me, T.W. Ward, your stinky <laughs> wizard. Uh, I play Jean-Paul Pierre Martin, the the human rogue is what it is in Fifth Edition, right? Rogue. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah, a rogue. Puppy yeah, monkey you're baby a rogue. subclass. Woo. -woo. Uh. <laughs> I always get confused because I'm so used to older editions. I'm like, I'm the thief. And it's like, oh, no, it's a different, <laughs> it's a different thing in this. Yeah, I, I keep having to tell TW that they're they're not playing a, uh, a dance clown. I believe that was – what was the name of the uh, second edition, like, specialty thing you could do? Oh, I don't even – I don't even think it's I got like, through the player's hand. Oh, yeah, no. It's impossible to do. It's like – it's like – it's dancing – it's like a dance fighter, basically. So your whole thing is that you is that you're like a is that you fight through dance and you you trick people with your dance and you you're basically Esmeralda. You do uh, no, you do capoeira. Is <laughs> you have to shout Brazil. Before. <laughs> I, this is true. I've been trying to learn capoeira for literal years, and I cannot find a place that will teach capoeira. And the one time I did find a place that seemed like it. I had like talked my family into like paying for it because I was like, yeah, it'll you know, you know, it'll help make me a better person, you know, martial arts, you know, yada yada. And my my aunt sent me a message just being like, I drove by there. They seem to be a warehouse. I don't trust it. <laughs> that was I did not get to look at where that year. Uh, I couldn't imagine you performing capoeira. <laughs> I. The, it's it's both like the physical fundamentals of the way the human body works, as well as just the concept of rib rhythm, and how it seems to constantly elude you. That's true. I am very non-rhythmic. Yeah, you treat rhythm the same way. Like it's similar to like a baby that can't latch. Like it's almost there, but it just can't figure out that last little that last little step. Yeah, I mean, I think rhythm is entirely optional. <laughs> And I think a lot of people do way too much focus on to it. <laughs> way too much focus on rhythm. Yeah, it's. I get why people like it, but, you know, who needs it? Yeah. Who needs it? <laughs> I actually do uh, have rhythm, but I can only perceive it in polyrhythm. So... <laughs> it, may sound, it may sound weird to you, but... Yeah, uh, TW's rhythm... Uh, Famously, can only uh, be described by any band that has the uh, end qualifier Tektronics in the yeah. name. I'm one of the few people who can actually do below 33.3 beats per minute, which uh, 
some argue is physically impossible, but I've done it. Yeah, it's it's kind of like how I'm I'm not rhythmically talented at all, uh, but I am a master of what I call jazz drumming. Does it doesn't matter the drum kit you put in front of me, I will put together um, a ensemble of noise. Yeah, mind you, um, most people who are jazz drummers go to school for at least 10 plus years before they consider themselves a jazz drummer. Don't need it. Just so you know, Jacob it. is slow jerking to the idea of higher education. No, I don't I don't need higher education. I, I skank against it. <laughs> I don't need, I, <laughs> I need high <laughs> education. <laughs> uh, I've actually, I know this is like, we're supposed to be talking about, you know, the game and stuff yeah. but i've actually recently gotten into a ska band that i deeply deeply love um to the point where i might actually buy like a shirt for them yeah. i never liked a ska band like i like jeff rosenstock but like jeff rosenstock just does ska covers of his own music yeah um which is a, a joke for two people out there <laughs> but i recently neither I recently of them got are into choke <laughs> I recently got into Choking Victim, and Choking Victim's amazing. Yeah, everybody yeah. should listen to Choking Victim. They're really um, good ska punk. Yeah, I like. I like. I just can't get into regular ska. Is my issue. Yeah. I really like like when it's more when it is more punk when it's more hardcore, and then it'll just be like angry guitar, and then all of a sudden you'll just hear like do 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 do, and it's just. Yeah, so you um, just so you're not really into ska, you're into punk rock that occasionally features a saxophone. Yeah, is... that's it. Give me give me a trombone for twelve bars and I'm happy. Yeah. That's all I need. So um, like two songs by Fear, uh most of Op Ivy I uh, Op <laughs> Operation Ivy. Uh I do like Operation Ivy actually, that's true. Yeah, no, they're great. Um, I didn't even really think of them as ska, but yeah, they do they do they do fit in. Yeah. Um but yeah, I guess we should probably talk about uh, why the fuck you're here, uh, why we're doing this. <laughs> well, uh, this when a man just be loves anything. a woman, or... <laughs> uh, no, this is the issue, is that whenever uh, me and TW start talking about anything, um, it devolves into nonsense. Mm -hmm. And we are... I, I don't know when part of the call, like what part of the actual edit this is, uh, but this is we are currently seven and a half minutes into recording, <laughs> and we haven't touched on anything except for yeah. ska, which is pretty accurate. Um, so, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to ask a question that may get an answer, and probably will be the only question in the entire interview. Uh, talk about your character. What, describe your character, please. What What are they like? What 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 inspired your character? Um. So I view you have a... I view my character as a um as a benevolent sleep paralysis demon is mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the best way I can describe him. Uh, he is very um, scary, <laughs> as other players point out during sessions. And even, <laughs> and even some of the choices I make with him, such as in uh, episode three, when I decide to eat the, <laughs> the corpse of my fallen friend. Um... <laughs> wonderful moment yeah uh i don't know it's just i have an affinity for horror uh as well as comedy and i think a lot of horror comedy 
Um, but like your traditional, you know, your early Sam Raimi's, your early Peter Jackson's, the more like uh, it's not necessarily what's happening on screen is funny. It's so scary. It wraps back around on yeah. itself. Well, I honestly, your character reminds me a lot of uh, one of the, the last season of Channel Zero's monster. Oh, where yeah. <laughs> it is. No, you're wrong. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. Where it's like, where it is like this deeply unsettling thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, for those of you spoilers, if you've, if you've not seen Channel Zero, which you should, it's amazing. Yeah. But the, like the final monster is like this contortionist clown kind of thing that is incredibly benevolent. Like it, it, it is incredibly kind at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, but that makes it worse. That doesn't make it better. Like yeah, because didn't they get the like an of... actual, like an actual contortionist clown, like traditionally yeah. trained contortionist yeah. and clown? It's why the monster is so terrifying, and because it, its movements are real, and your brain can't trick it itself into thinking this is fake, and it makes it so when it's doing its movements, it. I mean, we're just talking about another performer who's just amazing, and I, yeah. Uh, but they like when you watch the move. It's still the choices of like a professionally trained performer and not like a, a not a very well rendered piece of CGI. Yeah. Which isn't to say those aren't that can't be really compelling and really good, but you can see the acting choices that kind of go into it, into like the way they move their arms. Yeah, there's a full that, physical character with what yeah. they're doing. It isn't just spooky contortion, there's like actual so just as like uh some background uh, Jacob mm-hmm. and I, on occasion, have had seven-plus-hour-long conversations about the history of clowning through <laughs> <Yeah>. Europe <laughs> into modern-day representations. Both um, of us had to talk each other down from trying to go to clown school. If only be- uh, one specific French clown school, because we're not hacks. Uh, <laughs> but the issue is that we neither, we neither of us are ever in the financial situation for it. So we both just want to be, we, it's just like, we don't have, we don't have enough money right now. Like no matter what, it's a bad choice for you. <laughs> like you're yeah. not coming out of two years of clown college with a job opportunity. Like that's yeah. not how this is going to work. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, but yeah, so with he, so with, uh, with John Paul Pierre Martin, um, it's definitely, it's definitely just a, an amalgamation of things I love, uh, being scared, clowns being scared by clowns and clown adjacent things uh, <laughs> as well as just uh, an appreciation for offbeat humor because at the end of the day I want uh, Jean-Paul to be equally as funny as he is terrifying to the yeah. players, the listeners the NPCs, everyone yeah I mean I think you do a really good job of that uh of bouncing between like nightmarish and comedy, I it really it really hits a really nice place there. Uh, people do have a habit of, especially if they're not forced to, of turning on clowns very quickly. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've told you this story. I probably have, uh, but I don't think I've told it at least on like in this setting. Uh, I once ran a one shot where it was like they're playing it was himbo treasure hunt so they're the nicest kindest people in the world their main trait is that they are dumb kind and muscular that's all there is they're going to a charity event in the game for legless kids who are really good surfers um uh and it is hosted by a clown and the instant i opened my valves mouth and just did like <laughs> uh 
they all turned violent and then had all of the children who were there, all the legless kids who wanted, who surfed good, all turned on the clown who was running and had organized this charity event and proceeded to murder this clown. And it was the only bout of real violence in the whole game was them tragically killing the clown at his charity event because he just went like, oh, I'm so happy to be here. Oh. I know and for everybody, fact, we're going to get one tweet that's like, I demand payment for this collision I just got in while driving, <laughs> listening to this interview. Because Jacob just, decided to spring a clown noise on me while I was on iPhone <laughs> 5. Yeah. I've got... I've got one cloud voice, and this is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> sounds suspiciously to Yogi Bear. <laughs> I love... I, I Yogi Bear was the first impression I ever figured out how to do, and the only one I was good at. <laughs> and I called it quits from there. <laughs> I knew my abilities. I once spent two years trying to get a Bernie Sanders impression, and all I have is, like, vaguely Brooklyn. <laughs> like this. Yeah. <laughs> What's helped me with impressions is just finding a voice that's similar to it and then just tweaking whatever aspect you need to do to get to that voice, exploring your your uh, your soft palate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I... It's your soft palate. Yeah, no, that's uh, what you... I know that's a gotta... proper term. I just... Exploring your soft palate is a very gross Sorry, sentence. okay, all right. So you've got to explore your flaccid palate. <laughs> oh god next question okay uh what got you what you know what you know how do you it sounds weird to ask uh you know in this setting because we've uh but what got you involved what made you want to be a part of this because this is um and I mean, I'm very proud of it. To be clear yeah. about it, uh, for any listeners listening, like I'm, I'm very proud of this thing. But that, that's with that being said, this is deeply stupid. Um, this is that kind of like, this is the put way too much effort into like a deeply stupid idea to try to hopefully bring it around where it's actually really fun and smart. But like, it's still a talk about D and D adventure uh, in a homebrew setting uh, <laughs> that we have invested far too much money and time into. So I guess my question is, like, why did you agree to do it? What made you get involved? What made you think this would be a fun idea? Like, you know, all that kind of good stuff. Well, or did you even think this was a good idea? Yeah, so it started off with me uh, mailing calcium plus slices of American cheese to violently mm -hmm. lactose intolerant congressmen. Oh, uh, I remember. Yes, and it was considered a uh, soft terrorism, quote unquote. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, I was given a community service. Um, and I went, I don't believe in community. Uh, and then <laughs> we ran into each other and you're like, I'm doing a D and D game. And I was like, the government can't stop me from mailing cheese. And you went, so you're in. And I went, I guess <laughs> that is, uh, what's crazy is that's word for word. What happened? Uh, that's exactly, <laughs> there is no details I can add on to that story. That yeah. is exactly right. No. Yeah. Uh, I, I do, I am really happy though, that you were doing those, that specific cheese, because yeah. if you had been doing like, like a Parmesan. Yeah. Or any, any of uh, the hard cheeses, it just, mm -hmm. it would have been like, what are you doing? Like, it would have been well, sent I, back to me for not the right amount of postage because like a slice of American yellow. Very cheap. Very cheap. That's, very that's, cheap. that's, that's, that's like, that's a pen pals stamp right there. Yeah. 
it's, it's good for you. I'm just I appreciate I appreciate you know when to do like what 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 degree of terrorism to commit. Okay? That's I always that's how you know that's how I live my life is uh on the precipice of ah and ah uh, ah uh, so. Those were his first words. <laughs> yeah, they were. This was uh and uh uh. uh and then um, mother. <laughs> Very sassy baby. Yeah. Was, Did you uh, say your other word was mother? Yeah, but Just very mother. deep mother. <laughs> uh, supposedly, my first words were boo. <laughs> Even then, you weren't happy with reality. You're just like, <laughs> no. I'm... This is it. This is what we got. <laughs> this is what I got. All right. I guess I'll go down to the local pretzel shop. <laughs> Hey, I'm just a baby over here. I'm just, a, I'm just a baby in a trench coat over here. <laughs> Someone give me give me one of my cigars. <laughs> I, it was a long weekend. I was on my fourth baba when she walked in. <laughs> <laughs> She's gotta tell you gotta tell you man things have been hard ever since she switched me to formula claiming i'm tearing those teats right up oh, yeah oh Ooh. i just think oh, of, that was yeah was... i just i think of that uh from the show the he looked confused like a dinosaur at a bris <laughs> <laughs> so jacob let me ask you a question yeah, ask away, buddy. What made you uh, want to do this podcast with this cast specifically? Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody, to be to be totally sincere, everybody was, like, specifically handpicked. Like, it wasn't, like, accidental. Um, so there was a couple of things that came to mind. Uh, I knew I wanted, I did the one shot, I did a one shot, I've talked about this before, and if you've listened to this, you probably listened to the Juicy Gordita Bunch, uh, but I did a one shot for them for their Thanksgiving episode mm. that uh, you actually helped a little bit with, like, the prepping for, yeah. just some of, like, the jokes and stuff that went into it, uh, but it was very much, like, bullshit, like, just, like, one shot jokes, like, not to minimize it, it's but it's, like, planning a one shot's very different for planning a campaign. Yeah. Uh, we both DM'd, so it's, and it's very, very, when you have only a one shot, you're, it's, like, a bunch of funny gags, and then you kind of let them do whatever they want with them yeah it's more um, of like a tex avery cartoon where you come up with everything that's funny and then you just like all right here's the premise do fill in between yeah, the bigger dudes. yeah it's it's very mad libsy and if you do a good job people don't recognize that it's mad libsy yeah. that they always they they don't they don't they don't see the they don't see the the lines they're filling in yeah uh, um, but the I, campaign... I do want to specify real quick for the audience that when you say mad libsy you're not referring to the uh producer because if you were <laughs> we would we both enjoy quasimodo more not to mm-hmm. not to you know to cast shade on mad lib but just i personally enjoy quasimodo so it would be quasimodo we if that's what we were referring to yeah i mean if we're if we're being honest uh about this I can't pull the name up fast enough, so this joke will not land. Never yeah. mind. All right. I was trying to remember what Madlib's jazz band's called because he has that jazz band. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Um, and like I can hear all of the um, like the the amazing beat that's in Mad Villainy where they're introducing all of their like side identities all at once. Yeah. Um, but 
Um, but yeah, so I I went through, made this, made that, um, and that went really well. And me and Nick talked about doing it as like a longer show, and it was just like, well, if you're gonna do it as a full campaign, it has to be way bigger, more elaborate. Um, and I am terrible at world building, um, truly like truly terrible at it. My my mint my dream show is uh, we do zero prep. People bring their characters. And then we just have to freewheel it from there. Um, like, legitimately, if I could, that would be my preferred... That's my dream D&D show. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I I love having zero prep and just having to, like, figure it out. Uh, I do a bunch of games online, and a lot of times with one-shots, I'll literally write up a paragraph and not and forget the paragraph by the time I'm running it. Um, so I will read over it 10 minutes before the game and be like, oh, that's a cool idea. I'm glad I came up with that. I like that. Um but with this, what we went through, put a lot of effort into it. And then for the cast, I wanted to... One of the things really important to me is that a lot of these games, you can tell... Um, uh, a lot of these games are all partially because of, like, the hobby and stuff and the culture behind the hobby. But, like, a lot of the games are just, like, a bunch of white dudes. Yeah. Um, and, like, I'm... I mean, like, I'm, like, I'm not binary, but I'm still very, very white. Um, um, I believe pasty is the medical term for, for me. So, like, I was just, like, I very much was just like i don't want it i don't want this game that i built to be explicitly about imperialism to be um <laughs> only only with white people yeah like like i don't want that um so i intentionally went through and make try to get as like diverse a range of players with a variety of different like like uh, genders races yeah. sexualities like as much as possible yeah. so that we even got a, a brit that's true we even got a brit um uh they are going to be very upset uh, at that <laughs> description of them <laughs> um uh yeah they're um, multifaceted there's a lot more to them but just yeah but you know god save the queen uh but <laughs> um, yeah, for, yeah for for queen and country um uh we're all big james bonds fans here what can i say yeah. uh please cut all of this <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I went through and I wanted to have as diverse a range of possible players, um, and I wanted to work with people who I'd worked with for a really long time, really talented, TW. we TW and I played our... I played my first ever tabletop game with TW, mm-hmm. um, uh, which was... I think it was second edition D&D? It was... I think it was first edition advanced. First edition advanced? Okay. Yeah. And we uh, we were such assholes to each other uh, that the DM forced us to be bound magically together. Yeah. And it did not work. The big bad uh, <laughs> in this one shot was solved by Jacob crawling up its ass and uh, working working his way through its stomach to summon water into its lungs. <laughs> I was I, I do remember chopping up organs and having I, I and having the GM at the end go like regardless of whether or not they did enough damage it was going to die because of what you did which <laughs> like, is yeah. very defeated um it's 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 honestly why i'm not very like controlling of players is because i deserve it uh I am, <laughs> this is your curse yeah i am i am uh, a very irresponsible player and a very chaotic player so I don't stress yeah. it when when players. I it's like I know that I will force maximum freedom a GM's going to allow me. So I'm very much in that vein of like, no, I want you to have that same degree of freedom. I I want you to be able to make choices. Um, 
And I hope that comes across. I feel like it does because like first session you were you got up to like nonsense, and from there it only got worse. Yeah, I started. Yeah, I started a riot in the first episode. I had somebody actually bring that up of just like to me of just like yeah, it's like you let them get away with anything. You let them start a riot in the first episode. And honestly, in my mind, it's like it's just the natural consequences of your character. <laughs> like yeah, it doesn't yeah, yeah. feel that. It doesn't feel like I let you get away with anything. It feels like, well, like if you put this person here and let them in this situation, like me saying no is just like me making the story that I want. I didn't intend on you starting a riot, but I don't really intend yeah, on anything that you. I did. didn't either. It just that was <laughs> that was like a last minute. Just like you know what, this will this will fix things. And it did. It did fix things. Yeah. You got through it. Everybody survived. Everybody made it to the boat. It's yeah. a dramatic chase. It was a good moment. And that's just, like, I think that's, um, and you're, and I do want to say, like, like uh, uh, TW is one, of, he's one of the best GMs, probably, uh, yeah, one of the best GMs I ever played with. Uh, when I think of, like, the moments I want a game to feel like uh, there is a, um, uh, uh, a moment when we were playing, when, they were running um, uh, Call of Cthulhu, which is still what I think of, like, what I want a Call of Cthulhu to game to feel like is what that felt like. And I've run the game a bunch, and I still am like, that's the high watermark. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, it was great. I just remember being chased around by cats the whole yes, time. Yes, it was, it was over 100 cats were chasing you through the back alleys was, of Memphis, Tennessee. I think I walked out of a hospital, and there were, like, 100 cats. <laughs> yeah. They were just following me around. Yeah, no, it was because another player, their character was shell-shocked and went to an opium den. And uh, I had them roll a D8 to see how long they were going to be out, and it was seven hours. (laughs) So you're like, time to kill. Yeah, you're... um, Honestly, whenever, like, half the time, whenever we're doing, like, new games, or we'll, we'll talk a lot about, like... What's your what's your, like, dream RPG? If you could run any game, what would be the game you'd be running? Oh, man. If I can run any game. Yeah, assuming you have, like, the party for it, you have the time for it, like, uh, putting aside all of the, like, realistic stuff that gets in the way, what is, like, what is your thing there? So, I got to run one that I had done. Uh, Nick was actually in it, was my Stars Without Number campaign. We never got to finish Mm -hmm. it, which was kind of the the big letdown, because we all ended up, you know, just because games fall apart. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So anybody listening, if your game, any GMs listening, if your game falls apart, most of the time it is not your fault. That is just the natural oh, yeah. course, the natural course of games. Yeah, um, if, if you, I, there was truly years where I did not play or DM a game that lasted longer than three sessions. Yeah, like that just didn't happen. Uh, I remember I, I was truly like five years, five or six years into playing before it had an actual like what we now consider a campaign actually take off. Yeah. Uh, and but, even uh, sorry, then, you know, players would drop, would pop in and drop out. Oh yeah, you were rotating, rotating player. Like, like I almost feel like it's the worst part of a lot of the shows is that it gives the sense that you can that like this is what most games are. And it's like, no, like, I know it speaks for ours. We're we're doing it for almost all the others. Like, there's, like, a professionalism, too, that we're treating it like this is a show, not like this is just a random drop-in, drop-out game. Yeah. Like, where it's like, I can miss a session here or there. Like, you're going to have people falling in and out and have people not being able to play, and you just kind of got to roll with it. 
Like yeah. you just have to be, you have to have your own rules for how you handle when one person isn't here for a week, because like it's gonna happen. Uh, if you, especially yeah. if you want to do a campaign, you have to just be okay with that. Yeah, with my Stars Without Number campaign, it started off with seven players, and by session five, there was only three left that were making it regularly. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that game, I had worked, uh, I had worked on the, I don't know, the lore, the history, the world building mm -hmm. of that game for like three months before I ran it. Uh, just because I love a very uh, particular, meticulous uh, universe. You know, I leave some wiggle room. I love when players introduce a concept into the world, and I'm like, oh, I never would have thought of that. Thank you, and I know how that fits perfectly into the world I've already established. Yeah. Um, but I would like to run... I, you know what? I'm going to give you instead, like, what would my dream RPG be like? Because I feel like I've ran all the games I've wanted to run. Mm -hmm. uh, I really want to run a game that is um, kind of at its core an OSR game. For those of you who don't know, that's like old school revival slash renaissance. It's just a bunch of RPG nerds who are like, I'm tired of giving money to Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to create... It's like half of it's... Yeah, half of it's those guys and half of it's these guys who are just like, things have gotten soft. And yeah. those guys, and like half of them make amazing games, and the other half just make games that like the point is to die. <laughs> they yeah. aren't fun. There are some of that are like like because like cause surgery like something like Morkborg comes out of like that mean spirited place, and it makes for like a brilliant game. Though. Yeah, because Morkborg, because Morkborg, even though it's like mean spirited, it's also very funny. Yeah, and it knows yeah. it knows that like death is inevitable. I've never I've ran three Morkboard games. I've never had anybody make it to the end of a session. Uh, I'm I'm setting up a uh, uh, somebody uh, somebody made an amazing uh, playoff of Morkboard called Duckborg, that's Ducktales um, uh, inspired, and I am running I'm going to be running a Duckborg uh, campaign, and I am so very very excited to see if anybody can live. <laughs> they won't. I'm going to let you know right yeah. now. They won't. A grim, dark DuckTales just sounds like the greatest experience. Yeah. Uh, but so I want, like, that ethos of, like, the mm -hmm. high lethality, uh, leave it up to the players, not the roles kind of mentality. Um, but I also want tacked onto it, which I know is very counterintuitive, is, like, the crunchiest magic system you can come up with. Mm -hmm. uh, I want, because I love magic systems, but all most RPGs have the same the same slot level spell kind of thing um, yeah what's the term for that again and it's yeah it's there's a term for it because it's like it's pulled from like a really specific uh a lore yeah it's like Benikian like, magic or something like that yeah like there's like a novel series that, yeah. that they pulled that from I yeah don't i don't care it ruined tabletop no uh <laughs> it didn't help anything <laughs> yeah i want like because i know um like the white hack has a lot of kind of loosey goosiness when it comes to the to its magic or um uh oh god what is it god godfell i think is what it's it's called it's a kevin crawford same guy who wrote uh oh okay stars without numbers who if you can check out sin nominate if you like if you if any of this sounds interesting oh sin nominate is awesome sin nominate has some of the best games the best mm -hmm. tabletop games uh and if you're looking to be a dm I would specifically recommend these books to you, even if you're not going to use a system. The amount of, like, charts and concepts and everything that, like, it gives you just, like, all these tools 
and interesting systems like a faction system where like after each game when you're doing your notes you roll to see what these different groups like these different groups yeah. of npcs are doing in the world so like the politics are constantly changing in games it's great i i, I throw out there as well if you're it's just something that like traveler is amazing oh yeah about that yeah. traveler is truly like there's people there's a reason why like second edition for traveler came out in like 2000 something and it's still played now because it is just a for what it is it is the perfect version of the game that it is like it's just amazing yeah yeah traveler traveler is great for anybody who wants to do like a uh, a cowboy bebop-esque game Mm. Um, yeah that's that's the system i'd use for that in a heartbeat yeah you like especially if you want the crunchy side that's the one to use for it yeah and the if, only one of the few games where you can die during character creation <laughs> yes and if you want it's... something a little bit smoother uh stars without number is like a really good kind of uh smoother version of that game but they each do something very specific so mm-hmm. kind of figure out which of those games uh you would want but was... yeah i've because like i've been yes, trying to work right. on a magic system for an rpg for years i've been talking to you like i'll come up with an mm-hmm. idea of like oh what about this for a magic system uh and then it would just it doesn't go anywhere because we can't find anybody to use it on. <laughs> yeah they'd be like hey you want to try out my magic system that uses a combination of scrabble tire scrabble tiles and poker cards uh but they're not really correlated it's more of like a tier system of how all of these <laughs> work and you use them to essentially come up with your different spells Nobody. Just like, no, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that just be that just that sounds fun. I I feel like there's there's like it's really one of the things, especially now that I DM so much. One of the things that I've really started to appreciate is like the different styles of GMing that people do. Oh yeah, because you're a very like we're both improv heavy GMs, but you're a very chart heavy GM, which I am not. Oh, um, yeah. If when I you, built my character, when I built Jean-Paul Pierre, I rolled on charts. Like, yeah, every optional chart you immediately jumped at. Yeah. If I would encourage other GMs out there, try chart stuff. Like, it's like it's fun to get an idea and be like, oh, this is how this world is, or like, this is how this NPC is. Um, but try to find just, like, charts out there. Uh, uh, the Knock mm-hmm. series. Uh, that oh, you can yeah. get on Drive the RPG full of charts just for random bullshit and it will bring so many cool ideas to you um, like uh, I'm working on a uh, uh, you know I'm not going to talk you know I, no, I'll share I'm working on a, uh, a story where like the main villain is a necromancer you know never mind I'm not going <laughs> to yeah let's not do this no, no, no. but if that comic book ever comes out I'll, I'll mention it on the uh the, the the plugs at the beginning of the <laughs> absolutely um no but those charts like that's like really the thing they help so much with is especially is in like focusing your focusing the game and making it so that you you get re- really creative in really dynamic specific ways yeah uh, and that makes it a lot of fun yeah it'll um, also pull you a lot of for, oh, for, away from a lot of tropes because that kills yeah. a game tropes kill a game don't Brings, yeah, it takes it something. takes a lot of practice to get away from to be able to to be able to improv without the tropes directly defining yeah. every choice you're making. Yeah, um, like uh, in my Stars Without Number campaign, um, n- uh, Nick and the rest of the team landed on a planet of orc orc like aliens, uh, and um, 
it was it was an anarcho syndicalism universe or world <laughs> world. So, so of course it was. Yeah. So each city had like it's what a, the chart said. Yeah. It, it, honestly, it was. Uh, <laughs> that's how good this book is. But each city had its own like different trade, and they would trade amongst the cities. Um, and I stole like a lot of little tidbits about orcs from like the Warhammer universe because like that's cool, even though like Warhammer is kind of uh, like I don't want to call it bad. Warhammer is just a kitchen sink kind of universe. Um, yeah, that's fair. I took a couple of things from there, uh, just kind of like how their their machinery works and everything. But in the first mm-hmm. town they get to, it was election day, uh, and uh, the elections are held. Uh, the whoever can kill the mayor first becomes the new mayor. So the mayor so has 12 good. hours to be assassinated, and if somebody assassinates the mayor, they're the new mayor. That's a delightful, delightful idea. Yeah, or uh, they came across a group of, like, um, chop shot uh, hot rod racers, mm-hmm. and the leader of the gang were, like, all of, the, all of the other, like, orc groups, whoever was the biggest and the toughest was, was like, mayor or chieftain or leader or whatever uh in mm-hmm. this group the smallest person was their was their leader because his car could go the fastest because it was way down the least oh that's so funny how much of this came out of charts like what percentage of what you're describing right now actually came out of charts oh easily at least 75 percent. that's amazing yeah, which is why I'm saying, like, charts charts lay really good groundwork because it will just give you these big, like, these big strokes, and then you get to add in all of this finer, final, uh, mm. the finer detail into it. Like, the, um, like, uh, I knew it was an orc planet. I knew it was, like, an anarcho-syndicalist kind of world. Uh, I knew that the inhabitants were aggressive xenos. And I was like, okay, like, we're going to do orcs. They're going to be trades. Um... And then I rolled to see kind of like what each trade was in what city when I put it on the map. Uh, there's one town that's the Actors Guild, and there's only one orc who lives there, and he plays every citizen in that town. That's um, so fucking funny. Yeah, so like, charts are great. Roll on charts. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think that like, and and like, with, especially in regards to charts, like, I, I feel like, Especially because of the popularity of D and D, and this is this is biting the hand that feeds a little bit, but I'll bite it. it fuck them. It so fuck wizards of the coast. I'll bite them. <laughs> I feel like part of it, it, part of the big issue, is that like there's all these amazing games out there, and thankfully because there's so many more people playing now, people are checking these games out. But it kind of breeds in a sense of like this is what a game is. Yeah. And GMing, this is what GMing is. And so when you're stuck, like. You should be trying with bunches of charts and seeing if that's what works best yeah. for you. You should be trying with, like, like my preference is, like, having a lore book and just, like, skimming it and having to bullshit off the three sentences yeah. that I skimmed and just being, like, can I make three hours of exciting gameplay off of the fact that, okay, there's 30,000 people in this town, they love gems, and apparently down here it says there might be smoke coming up from the sewers? Yeah. Like, can I translate that into something that's fun? Yeah, or... Um, um, another great thing, steal. Steal the plot lines to your favorite movies and your favorite oh, books. Oh, yeah, 100%. And just change some some of the bigger, you know, change like well, one or two big details. And you've got a completely new game because your players are going to take it where they want to go. Just take yeah, the you premise. Yeah, you don't need to like, like, I, you can, 
you can take any of this stuff and just roll with it. One of my one of my favorite things I ever I ran this Call of Cthulhu campaign for a while. It's one of the few campaigns that I've actually finished finished where we played through an entire narrative, got to the end, got to this beautiful point at the end, um, and. Uh, I literally threw in portions of, uh, because of the kind of game it was, because they were in the dreamlands, I threw in actual portions from the Illuminatus with actual characters from the Illuminatus trilogy that showed up. And it made it much, much more anxiety inducing mm-hmm. and much more surreal is having this actual thing from this piece of art that the players reference that the characters don't always know. And because it is a literal text now, you now have this difference in in like the the dissonance like the, between character yeah. and player is now very distinct and very exciting to a certain degree because yes. now they're at a fight with themselves over where is the line and what's real and what's not uh another thing i would recommend uh because we were um we were talking about like their D takes up so much of the space um, if you want to find good games, go to Drive Through RPG, mm-hmm. click free slash pay f- uh, pay what you want. Uh, you can add an additional detail, hit core rule books, and you will just have tons of free like beginner guides oh, and even yeah. full rule books. Just grab one and start reading. If it sounds yeah, kind of a, interesting, a lot of a lot of indie games, especially, have like truly you'll have like. Like, Lancer is one of my favorite. Is like, a literal masterpiece of a game. Mm-hmm. And you can grab the core rulebook for free. And, like, what you pay... The version you pay for gives you, like, your DMG and all that kind of stuff, which is very, very valuable. But if you want to just, like, test out some rulebooks and see what you can find, like, that game's amazing. And you could just glance over the rules and make sure that it agrees with you. And if it does, like, get it. Buy it. Yeah. Because it's an amazing game. And, like, I feel like... I. I mean, both of us are very lucky in this regard, which is that we've been playing different systems, like, as long as we've been playing games. Yeah. Like, from the very beginning, like, first game I ever DM'd was Doctor Who. Like, first campaign I ever actually ran was Moon to Masterminds 2E, which is still one of my favorite systems. Like, like D&D is a great game, but D&D is a very specific game yes. for what we're, like... Um, so when we play a game like that what we are doing is a very specific narrative that the game is built to tell yeah so if we so if one of if one of us were to be like god i want to do like i've got this idea for like like a romantic comedy kind of session that's going to be kind of like goofy like like austinian style romance like which isn't really that weird of a thing for one of us to randomly say to the other one yeah um that's definitely a weed game but yeah yeah, that's definitely a me thing. That would be like, it's like, I want to do this magic summer camp. It's like, like okay, um, we will find the system that matches it and not just try to, like, shoehorn it onto a system that we like. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's really important is to be able to... The way to maximize a system and the potential a system can do is not to try to force it to do everything, but to find what it is good at and push that direction and make it so that's the core thing you're doing with it and not trying to just do everything with it. D&D isn't especially good at being scary. So if you're doing anything other than like like kind of your characters are too squishy and you're either too squishy or too powerful like there's no it's either like oh my god if anything hits me i die or what does it matter if it hits me like i'm fine (laughs) i'm Um, god 
Yeah, like like you can sort of do survival horror a little bit with it, but yeah. like the thing I found D and D to actually be able to do out of any kind of horror is gross out horror. Yeah, is like it can do schlock and like splatter gore and like that kind of stuff really well, but it can't really do a lot of like tension building or like gothic or anything. Yeah, like that you can't because the anything... game's just not built for it. Yeah, like uh, like if you take like like old school white box D and D, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a magic user and you're level ten there is a good chance you only have 40 hit points. If you roll, uh, mm-hmm. if, if you, like, or actually, I think that's the max you can have at level 10 is four. I think so, yeah. Because you, you're, rolling, you're rolling a d4. Um, so, like, and you can't use any armor. So, like, by, like, level six, you're lucky if you have hit double digits in mm-hmm. your, uh, in your, hit points and like you come across a manticore and it's like oh chomp dead new character and you can't do that in 5e because even like right off the bat you're starting with so so much that and then also the whole balance encounter which is horseshit and anybody who uses balance encounter is wrong and i'm gonna mail you a slice of cheese american well it's like CR just never really worked all that well, and, like, they've never, no, no edition of D&D has ever figured out a way to, like, figure out CR that makes it work. Because I can, like, it just, because, like, the concept is sort of flawed, because you yeah. can't, like, no two groups are doing the same monster, like, are handling the monster, and no GM is handling the same either. So, like, I, I'll often be able to make, like, and this is, like, a personal thing, is, like, I do barbarians like I, I am a barbarian fighter player like i don't like dealing with spells i don't mind it like it can be fun but if i am choosing if i can play anything i am playing a fucking smart dude who just gets angry and wallops on shit like i am playing yeah. hulk style characters that's my preference um so what bo- so when i'm dming like my like high level wizards are often not all that dangerous because i suck at playing yeah, yeah. high level wizards and i don't like it so i want you to kill this <laughs> thing so i don't have to keep playing it i'm going to cast um, the grandest illusion but if you but if you are dealing with me and i'm doing like a even like a mid to mid tier barbarian like it is a legitimate threat to the whole party and i will figure out ways to murder people that they do not expect because like i can take the cr fucking four barbarian and make that equivalent to a cr 13 wizard relatively easily oh yeah like it's not all that hard for me to do yeah uh, just because that's where my preference lies so you have like like anything that's like this is how you calculate this is the calculator you can use it's like no just keep trying and figuring it out like like you just get good at knowing what your parties can handle after a while. Yeah. Not only that, uh, I would encourage uh, big big boss monsters are fun when your players deserve it. Uh, when I when I GM, I like to send packs like packs of uh, of lowest level uh, minions that I oh, can. Oh, that's find. always fun to do. And send them out because, like, uh, you know, like fifteen goblins. Oh, like, okay, yeah, like we're kind of overwhelmed, but like we'll be able to get them. Oh, they're doing military uh, tactics similar to Roman, uh, <laughs> due to like a Roman <laughs> legion. They're phalanxing their way up to us. Yeah, you're like, uh oh, this is like, this is scary. Or like treating uh, like a group of kobolds, uh, like uh, 
like Viet Cong freedom fighters and you're like, oh, they're like burrowing underground and like digging, <laughs> digging these I... terrible traps we're all falling into. One of my favorite things to do is to have like really is to have uh, uh, explosive opponents. So you have like a bunch of them that are just like where like someone someone will get like surrounded and they'll be like they'll 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 like attack and they'll you know they'll have a super low AC, super easy to hit. So they'll have like five hit points, so super easy to kill. They'll kill it and they'll just be like haha, and then I'll be like cool. I need you to roll one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I need you to roll 16 dexterity saves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And tell me how many of them are beneath 10. Uh, and just, like, and that, like, those moments are way more satisfying than, you know, the six sessions it takes yeah. where it's like, oh, I hit it again. I deal 20 points. Cool, cool. Noted. Uh, awesome. Like, and that's just, like, there's only so much. The real fun is, like, those stressful moments that can yeah. kind of be captured in there. Where it is like the hero's journey of have I survived and built enough to be able to survive this kind of cataclysm compared to like, can I just not get hit by this dragon for three yeah. rounds so I can deal enough damage to kill it? Which is what a lot of like dragon fights boil down to. Yeah, I just realized uh, I play uh, John Paul very OSRE in the aspect of yeah. like every time, every time like a big scary monster shows up, I go, oh, I run. Yeah, That's how you, you handle this situation. Yeah, you well, you play you play it as someone who's used to and like it's good because I am like I fundamentally compared to a lot of DMs I'm pretty high lethal. I'm not like a I want to kill my party like like TPKs are fun. I don't think I've ever actually had a TPK outside of like Call of Cthulhu and that yeah. doesn't really count. No, um, but like when you, but there should be like a real sense of danger that sits in your generally in your games. Your players are up for it like. D&D, if you're reading a fantasy novel, if you're reading like a good fantasy novel in this kind, in this vein, it is heroes constantly about to die, struggling, and life just sucks for them. Like yeah. they're like, Lord of the Rings is not a story of a bunch of people having a good time. <laughs> like, no, no. Yeah, like Lord yeah. of the Rings, like every battle in Lord of the Rings is like life or death. If they stumble across the wrong group of orcs, it's not like, oh shit, this is like, this is fine. It's like, oh, we're going to die if we don't kill all of them and hopefully don't make enough noise because if we make enough noise, the actual infantry group that they're a part of will hear us and now we're fucked because there's 50 of them coming after us. Yeah, yeah. And that's every... like the template for what these kind of games should be. Yeah, every every single book in the Lord of the Rings and like, you know, because each, like, each book is split up by two smaller books. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, each book ends with like, and then it seemed like our characters were dead. <laughs> yeah, and you're much. like, oh wow, okay. You're like, I guess there's a whole other book left, but like Frodo, <laughs> Frodo's been ambushed. I don't, I don't see how they get out of this. Yeah, um, and it's like every win is like right at the cusp of death. Like every, yeah. like every, especially every major win. Like, like you should always have this sense of uh, if it's a major fight, which. Because of the way D and D works, every fight can't be. But it when the culminating fight, the fight that things have built towards, should always feel like if we don't play this smart, we will die. Yeah. Because even if they trounce the boss, even if they like they do everything right, they easily defeat the boss. They because it was strategic and because it was well planned and well organized and everything was considered, people will be so proud that they don't care that they easily won. Yeah. Like, the fact that it felt threatening and they put in the time and effort and made sure that every point was considered and fought, that makes it way better than any, like, 
than than just having like a super hard encounter where three out of the five party members died and two lived. Yeah, like, yeah. This don't is have, this is way more satisfying. Difficulty just for the sake of difficulty. Do yeah. Don't Dark Souls this. Yeah, I mean, okay, you can Dark it. Souls. I it. said it. You can Dark Souls it, but Dark Souls is so very specific. Um, yeah, you need to check with your players before you do something like that. Yeah, is really what it boils down to. Like, and there are better games in D and D for doing that. You want to do that? Do Morkborg, Do Zweihander. Yeah, uh, Morkborg, um, Zweihander, White Box, uh, basic uh, fantasy that? role playing. Uh, yeah, old school essentials. There's that one monster hunting game that's like um, has the that's like styled after Northern Europe. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh. I wanted to play it. For a minute i think it starts with a c yeah i know which um, one you're talking about it's on my list i haven't gotten it it's yet. free it's it's made by was it free fantasy is that what the name of the publishing company is free league free league press free league free league which free league press makes the single best like there's no better publishing company yeah. than free league plus like like they made uh the alien rpg which is so upsettingly good they publish the um they publish Morkborg, which is the single most beautiful game designed game you'll ever yeah. play um like across the board if you don't know what to get like they're the company to try first yeah because all of their games are phenomenal or um Sinomine, yeah uh questing beast has some really good stuff if you want to lightly dip your toes into it with yeah. maze rats and nave uh you know it's a really uh, amazing game that i i would highly i actually would really recommend this as a way to kind of show the difference between like Cause I, I, people, I think have a habit of trying of mixing together storytelling genres, especially if they've only played D and D, where they kind of see all storytelling. This, it's just seeing the difference between like fantasy, epic, and folklore. Is I highly recommend trying out Coyote and Crow for a lot of people. Mm. Uh, Coyote and Crow is an amazing game made by an all native design team. It's masterpiece. I got, it, I, got it, I did the Kickstarter for it. Um, I've been able to run it a couple times, and it's amazing. But it really goes to show from a design perspective the difference between when you're designing something to feel like an epic and to feel have that like very european epic we're fighting monsters and we're going to save the day like bury that mindset and whereas this is designed to feel like traditional native folklore so like you can solve any problem with any skill any skill you can be good enough at that you can make it the solution to your problem because that's what a folklore character can actually do yeah that is that is what like uh if you are a the world's best dancer and you're traveling the world solving problems you were solving it through dance you don't dance and then stab them with a dagger yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, not yeah. how that story ends so and it makes it so when you're telling those stories with this system the system forces you to make it so that like my character is a scientist this character is a scientist so i have to be able to come up with a solution for why science will solve the problem at hand you yeah. have to be able to do it. And it really shows the difference in genre and tone and style and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. Uh, and or if you want a game where you just play a human and you have a miserable time, uh, you could always play uh, Torchbearer, which. Oh, is... yeah. <laughs> Torchbearer, Torchbearer <laughs> is just like uh, you want to do math and feel bad the entire time. Uh, that's the yeah. game for you. And Torchbearer, you have to uh, like your torch goes out so many so many rounds so you're constantly just like you need an abacus for that game it's good but you need an abacus i, I really wanted to play 10 candles i believe is what it's called where oh, you're yeah. literally burning your character sheet as you play the game yeah, yeah. um and there's like so many fun things like that um there's uh, dread in... where you're playing with a jenga tower every time your character does something stressful you have to mm -hmm. do a jenga move um i um 
yeah there's just there's a lot of like really fun dynamic built-in ones um my dream game i've wanted to play for years now i have the book for it um when i actually get out to austin i'm probably gonna because i'll actually have people who will be down to play it <laughs> um is the dream game i've wanted to play it's gmless and if you and if for those of you who haven't played gmless games you should gmless games are amazing um completely different way of thinking about play too but it makes you a better player and a better gm when you play with these the more systems you play with the better gm better player you will be you should try to play more yeah um even if, if you think you've played enough like, you haven't uh buying old fantasy uh fighting fantasy books off of mm -hmm. uh ebay anything yeah just give it like give give this stuff a shot and there's a lot of like free one page games that you can play too that are going to be super easy like and just like getting comfortable being able to play an in a variety of systems makes it so when you go back to the whatever your primary system is and everybody has their like predominant preferred system that they want to be playing mm -hmm. if i could play anything i'm either playing means of masterminds 2b or i'm playing doctor who like those are my two though depending on what kind of story i'm gonna tell those are the two games i'm gonna pick before anything else yeah um uh, i'm sure tw has like their preference yeah uh my go-to white box um medieval mm -hmm. fantasy role-playing game it's kind of like a revamp of od and d uh, you mm -hmm. have like four classes, uh, and it's also where uh, race is class. So like you're either a fighter oh, or a nice. dwarf. You can't be both, uh, which I really like. Markborg mm -hmm. is definitely up there just because it's a oh yeah 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 crazy. Oh, uh, I really want to play. Um, it's by Exalted Funeral, uh, Ultraviolet Grasslands. Oh, that game looks amazing. Yeah, which is, it's a point crawl, which is an old school uh, term where, like, you're literally going from location, location. Kind of, if you've played, like, a, uh, um, like, like Slay the Fallout the, games, right? Yeah, well, it's closer to, like, Slay the Spire, where, like, you have, uh, like, two, choice, two choices you can go to from each point, mm -hmm. and, like, each time you play the game, there's, like, different encounters that you can have. Uh, oh, okay, I see. And everything. But you're trying to get from location A to location B. Uh, That's but it, dope. it looks like just straight acid fantasy. Like Troika. Troika is also another one of those. Like, oh, I've wanted concept. to play Troika for so long. The game looks beautiful. One of the <laughs> prettiest looking rule books I've ever seen. I haven't had a chance to actually dig into the rules. I've it, heard just glowing, yeah. glowing praise of it. It's a 2D6 system, it's super easy to use. Oh, so is it is it is it, is it PBA? PBA? Uh, no, it is. Um, it's. I think it's inspired by the fighting fantasy books. I think that's what oh, they okay. did. Is just took like the way your character works in a fighting fantasy book, and then tweaked it until it worked for uh, tabletop. Because it's oh, I, there's like no official classes. You just kind of like vibe up whatever whatever your character. I love is. that. I I'm not a big class person. At the end of the day, no. I find classes are like uh the i i've slowly come around to powered by the apocalypse version of classes if only because it helps structure play a little easier mm -hmm. in a way that most classes don't like most classes don't actually tell you shit about the character other than they can do this attack or whatever yeah but i like the power by the apocalypse makes it so it's like this is the role play hook for my character mm -hmm. not anything else so it makes it makes it from a jamming perspective it makes it Especially if you're starting having to play a bunch of games with a bunch of new players, if they're, it's one of the easiest ones to jump into systems wise. Yeah, uh, but I'd honestly much prefer not having classes. That's what I love about Mutants Mastermind so much is that it's just free form. You got 
90 points good yeah, luck, yeah. make something spend, good yeah spend them uh, if you do it a, wrong your character sucks i had a character in a mutants and masterminds game that i ran named sneeze louise whose power <laughs> whose power was teleporting every time they sneezed um that's amazing and they pumped all almost all of their points into just their sneezing ability and then the mechanism that shot pepper up their nose so they could sneeze. <laughs> uh so like they were super brittle not very like couldn't really fight couldn't do a lot but mm-hmm. uh they could sneeze so hard they landed on jupiter uh yeah it's stuff like that's so much fun and like that's the beauty of like classless systems is that like if you're willing to make a character that um is going to suck 80 percent of the time um you can make something magical yeah like you can make something like that that feels more like comic books than anything with a class is going to be able to really give you yeah that was my that was my inspiration for john paul i was just like i want to play a character who's useless in 80 percent of situations yeah, that's how I build all of my characters, is, like, truly is, like, what's the stupidest way I can exploit the limitations provided to me that will benefit neither me nor the GM? <laughs> and it and it always comes down to, like, truly, uh, there's a one-shot that we're going to be releasing probably before this, maybe after this, who knows? Um, but I found a way, like, with the rules of play series, like, it had, your character had to be under 100 years old, and I was, like, cool, cool, had to be born within the last 100 years, and I was, like, cool, 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 got it. And I was able to find a way to make my character near death because I just like, because I was just like, well, he didn't say I had to be a certain number of years old, just I had to be born this place. Yeah. So how do I make my character the oldest possible limitation here? And the, like, that was truly like, it was just like that. And I wanted to use a stupid weapon in the game that is not good. You shouldn't use, but I just really wanted to use like, that's it. I just really wanted to yeah. use this weapon and I've wanted to for a while now. Because uh, I've never seen a person play it. It's why I'll like I'll build characters on like whips and stuff, is because like because they're not because the game, and it's part of the issue when it's like class class based systems where it's like the game doesn't give you a lot of good reason to not use the best stuff. Yeah. So like, why would you ever not use the weapon that deals the most damage? Yeah, that's why like, I love games like Morkborg, which is just like the strongest weapon. Is like one of the weapons from Morkborg is a bone. Is like a fever. <laughs> yeah. It's like a femur deals like a D8 of damage, but it's also just like every time you wield, like, like that game has stuff where like anytime you, like, you shouldn't want to fight things. If you're fighting something, it's gone wrong. That's always like, like you are going to die. You're going to lose half your team and it's going to suck. Yeah. Yeah. What was that, uh, that GMless game you were talking about? I don't think you mentioned it. Oh, I didn't. Um, I really, my dream, my, this is the number one game I've wanted to play for years. It's called Dialect. Um, oh, for those yeah. of you who aren't aware, Dialect is this um, made by this um, really amazing uh, art company that specializes in games centered around um, language. Uh, Dialect was their second game, I believe. Um, and what Dialect is, is you play through the process of a dialect being subsumed by a dominant language. And it's supposed to be like a breathtakingly beautiful experience if everybody's down for it. Um, but you kind of have to all be down for the fact you're about to play a game where you're playing a language being subsumed by a dominant culture. Like, that's not really, um, like, their other game, like, it's supposed to be amazing. Their other games are kind of similarly where they, they have one game called Signs, I believe, which is you play, um, it's based off of, I think it's 
Bolivia? I think it's Bolivia, where they had, where they, in like the 80s or 70s, they got a bunch of, they took all the kids together who were uh, deaf and kind of put, deaf or mute and kind of put them together. And they didn't have like anybody who could teach sign language. Nobody knew sign language. So the kids effectively invented their own sign language because they had to, because they needed a way to communicate with each other. So through just sheer necessity, they invented a language and like the teachers learned it and they were all able to, I think, I think this is Bolivia, I could be wrong in my countries, but the game is designed to emulate that. So it's supposed to be like six hour sessions where you were just quietly in your house, you move all your furniture out of like the space and you just have to invent your own language together. Good luck. Um, That's fun. And it just sounds amazing. Like that sounds like, that sounds like such a fun experience. But it also, I, yeah. like, you all have to be there for that. Because otherwise, that will be completely brutal. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a, an RPG I want to play. I can't remember the name of it. But you're essentially animals in court. Uh, and the, <laughs> uh, you're animals in court. And you give your, uh, like, what is it called? A deposition? Um, mm-hmm. You give that through uh, dance. What? <laughs> yeah. What is this? I don't remember. I have it. I have it in my Dropbox, and I'll send it to you. Uh, Please but, do. This sounds amazing. Yeah, it's a game I really want to play, but you need you need people around you to actually be able to to play it. I love weird, weird abstract games like that. Yeah, that stuff's always like really fun, and you get to the get to do these like really weird experiences, and it's like a lot of times. And I mean, I I say this as someone who GMs a lot uh, with GM games. When, when there is a GM, there is inherently a limiter on creativity. Mm-hmm. Like, there has to be. Like, the, you can only go so far as my imagination can really go. Like, you can come up with the craziest, coolest thing, and I will do my best to yes and it. But 90% of the time, I'm there There will come a point where I have to be like, no, I don't think that'll work. Um, and there's something kind of amazing when you have games that are based around the idea of, like, no, we as a group decide what is allowed no one person is creativity is enough to be can be set set aside just because one the person who is kind of quote unquote in charge can't fathom it like if we can come up with a reason together then it works and that's all that matters yeah or Um, games like uh like the quiet year or microscope where you just work together to build a a history of a of an area or icarus i did a i did an yeah, I did a I did a one shot for a friend of mine's podcast, um, where we played this GMless game called uh, um, uh, you can uh, you can check at any time but you can't leave, which is basically Hotel California the game, mm. um, and it's amazing. But it was just like really really fun playing with a bunch of people, uh, and all like there is no winning and they're like in dnd there is winning there is a win condition you are playing towards at the yeah. end of the day you can you can either call it max level or you can call it like achieving the ending of your character's story but there was like an, a win condition that we are building towards and this it's just like we just want to all tell a good story like that's it that's all we all want to do so anytime somebody would say something without somebody there to kind of like veto it or to like say yes or no it turned into like a really truly just a group of people yes anding to create this very dynamic and fluid tone yeah which is kind of just really fun to be able to experience and to play in and that's what gmless games really let you do is to be able to experience a kind of fluid sort of play that you really come to miss once you have to stop doing it yeah <laughs> it's like nobody ever wants to be the gm yeah once you 
Yeah, nobody really... I mean, and it's, like, it's weird, because, like, I love GMing. I love GMing far more than I like playing. And I play regularly at this point, and I've really come to the conclusion, don't like playing that much. Uh, I like GMing more, except when it's GMless games. And then it's a fucking blast. Then it's yeah. amazing. Then it's, like, when you've GMed a lot, and I've GMed way too much, and, and you've GMed quite a bit, um, you you're always aware of the work the GM is doing. Even if you're not playing, you know that, like, if I do this stupid thing, the GM is going to have to do this, 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 and this to kind of work around it. And I know I would have to do this, this. And, like, like you, 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 can, you can process the game. You're always processing a game through the mindset of GMing, and it impacts the play of, to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, and you have to be comfortable with the GM to feel comfortable just doing whatever. So it's very nice when that's when there is no more GM and you're kind of just like, oh, I can just do whatever. And like, we're all just going to agree and we're all just going to have fun. And OK, cool. We're going to do that. And like just allowing that to happen is really is a really magical thing without any of that pressure. Yes. Yeah. It's a fun. It, it becomes because, I mean, you know, most people play tabletop games because they like having something to do with friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, legit, yeah. that's where you start for sure. Yeah. It is weird. It is truly insane to think about because, like, we both got into the gaming. I feel like we got because I, I think you. I think I remember you saying that you'd only played tabletops a couple times before we played together, like yeah. a handful of times. Um, so we got into it like relatively at like the last true period um, before while it was still like an indie activity. Yeah. Before it had actually caught on, like before and i think we both had this kind of experience our whole lives to a certain degree although i actually don't know how old tw is um uh but where at least i had this where it was all of the nerdy things that we were into all became big over the course of our lives but because we had been into them for so long and because the corners that we had been we by the time we by the time it went big we were into these really weird corners but oh, it was like there was yeah. like this excitement over like oh we can talk like I'm a huge comic book nerd like oh when I cannot begin to explain how happy I was when it was like Iron Man people care about Iron Man now like this is amazing and then it's like oh you don't want to talk about this indie book where like where like this thing's like probably a pair of tits with wings um, you don't <laughs> yeah, you don't want to talk about that it's one of those things because like I've heard other uh, and you were wording it I think you were wording it the proper way. Which is like other nerds will be like, Ugh, like when I was young, this wasn't cool, and now it's cool. That's dumb. It's not that. It's uh, it's like, oh, I've already been exploring this. Like you guys are getting to area yeah. I've already explored. I'm like, I'm further in uncharted territory, but you're not here yet, and so I'm just kind of, I'm kind of where I was there, but now here. And you're so excited. Like it's truly like I cannot stress how amazing it is that people give a shit about comic book characters. Like. Oh, it's truly weird. it is it's so it's so weird and it's amazing that like i can now like start a conversation with somebody and have it be totally fine that it's like oh yeah like i collect harley quinn like and the people will be like excited about that now that that is a that is a socially acceptable thing to do which truly it wasn't 15 years ago yeah like like this was not like a cool thing to it's still not exactly cool but it's like socially acceptable now yeah same I, thing with like D D, where it's like yeah because he's gotten to the Go ahead. I got into D and D in um, high school, mm-hmm. uh, and I used to carry around my uh, my rule books because, like, I was just learning. So I was like, I was reading the player's handbook and the DM's mm-hmm. guide, you know, cover to cover. So I would take them to school and read them like during lunch and stuff. And my partner at the time, 
was just like, oh, okay, so you're like, you're a fucking nerd. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how, like, that's where it was when we were in high school. And now it is fun. To, like, I am making a living doing it. Yeah. Can, and isn't it, it, sorry, isn't it crazy to think, because we met when you were very young. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was, like, or something like that. Yeah, and uh, I was a similar age. Could you imagine when we first met, if, like, one of us from the future came back and was just, like, Hey, uh, they're going to introduce, like, not only are they going to make movies after your favorite comic book heroes, mm-hmm. you're going to be exhausted that they're doing <laughs> You're it. not going to be excited about it yeah. anymore. You're it's going to be miss... honestly a bummer. Yeah. There are going to be seven Marvel superhero movies that you are going to miss because you do not care. It is. You're gonna be on the side of a 78 year old white man's opinion about about superhero movies, <laughs> yeah. and you're like you. Um, yeah, they're gonna introduce Martian Manhunter into a film. Oh, really? Yeah, and you're gonna loathe it. <laughs> you're gonna be so annoyed. <laughs> you're gonna say that wasn't as good as when he was introduced the fourth time on television. <laughs> That's yeah. what you're gonna say. What? Uh-huh. <laughs> You're getting more Star Wars. Yay. How many? Too many. What? At least nine. What? Yeah, I think we're going to get nine. Three are in a trilogy. Um, there's also going to be like seven TV shows. Are they good? I don't know. Uh, I think I times. watched four episodes of one of them. <laughs> like yeah, just... yeah. I had to run a Star Wars game for somebody. I ran like two sessions of a Star Wars game. And I know so little about Star Wars. Like, truly, like, couldn't care less about... Like, I'm not trying to be mean about it. I think Empire Strikes Back is one of the best movies ever made. Like, yeah. like I've I've watched all the Star... I've watched... I watched the first eight, nine-ish Star Wars movies, somewhere in that range. Like, I've seen a good chunk of it, but, like, it just doesn't... Everybody has their worlds. Like, especially when you get into this stuff, you find the stuff that you really like. Star Wars is it for me. Um... Babylon Five to... Gang, rise up! Uh. <laughs> like I, I mean, like Doctor Who's for me, and that's like Doctor Who's like the worst pitch in the world. I was like, do you want to watch a 70, 70 season show that has uh, each season has two good episodes, and if yeah. the good episodes aren't early enough in the season, people were pretended the whole season was poorly written and worse than the previous seasons yeah. <laughs> because that's Doctor Who. <laughs> um, if a season has four good episodes, if a season if season Doctor Who's four good episodes, I go that's a great season of Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but but like I had to run Star Wars, and it was like this real struggle of like I couldn't, like they would ask me lore questions, and I was just like I. It's one of the few games where I had to have multiple screens where I just like I couldn't muster the energy to care about it. Yeah. So I was really struggling to express like like when they would just be like, oh, is that like this this, this planet? And I'm just like. Typing, typing, typing. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly like that. Yeah. And, like, I guess I don't know. Like, I structured my game around Gungans because I <laughs> like, cause I needed something that I could latch onto that the players wouldn't ask questions oh, about. And I was like, Gungans? Piusa. Let me tell you. <laughs> I just gave them a different accent. And, and I was just like, this is, this is going to be okay. <laughs> I have a thought. Fo- I'll go back and watch the first six Star Wars films. Uh, and by that, I mean the original trilogy, the two mm-hmm. Ewok Adventures, 
and then the mm-hmm. Christmas special. Those are the only six films. I love the Christmas special. The I've Christ- seen. I will oh. give you credit. I so this is true. This is a true story. I bought the Christmas special at Comic Con at San Diego Comic Con. This is how I, I got a copy of the Christmas special at the same booth where I met the actor who played Chewbacca. Oh, that's beautiful. So like I shook his hand and then the guy at the counter was like I was like holy shit like you're Chewbacca and he's, and he's like the dude was the dude was super chill like very very like like he's just like the most like zen very like almost stonery I don't know if he's smoking or not but he had like that kind of energy of just like that that like truly just you couldn't un un unmellow this song. He'd be smoking that kushik, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and off to the side, and literally off to the side, the guy at the counter just goes, "You seem like a Star Wars fan, kid. You want this?" <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like just like, oh, what what do you have over here? So what's in your magic box? And it was just the Christmas special that I had on DVD for years. It was like that and Doctor Tan or whatever the fuck that cartoon was that we got together. Oh yeah, got, like I an still- autographed copy. Yeah, I found my autograph copy in the garage. I, I mean, I lost everything. I lost everything. <laughs> so enjoy <laughs> your autograph copy. I'll blame it on the hurricane. Yeah, um, uh, I watch. I got my current partner to watch the Star Wars Christmas special with me, and I said, "Can we do this as a yearly tradition?" And they said, "No." <laughs> this is uh, we're. I mean, we've been talking for probably way too long at this point. So uh, this is one of my favorite stories. I don't remember if you lived near me at this time. But I, me and a friend of mine, Will, um, we decided uh, uh, for whatever reason, we decided that we wanted to watch like the worst movie ever made and we wanted to do it once a week for a year. I think this was right when the first time when the worst idea ever happened, the podcast came out. So we were like, we're going to do that. That sounds like a fun activity. And we were just like interviews where they say they keep losing their mind from doing this. Fuck yeah, we're in. So we went through and we were like, what's the worst movie ever made? And we're like, well, it's cool as ice. <laughs> like, like we thought about the Christmas special, but we were like, Cool as Ice is the worst movie ever made. And we watched Cool as Ice every Wednesday for about six weeks. On about the third week, our bodies began having physical responses to the fact that Wednesday was coming up. <laughs> as we were just like, man, what if we waited till like Thursday to watch it instead this week? Like, I'm not feeling too good. I'm like, no, we got to do it. And by like the sixth week, we were just like, like our weeks would be good and then like tuesday would roll around and the deepest depression would set in <laughs> as we realized we had to see cool as ice again tomorrow and it was a physical struggle to start that movie up what i love about this is you didn't do it for a podcast just some sort of like weird uh... we heard about a podcast we liked it we were like we can do that too <laughs> like, just... yeah, yeah and the answer was we couldn't cool as ice was too bad it broke us yeah, I know. I believe it. It's not a good movie. There's quotes from that movie I'll think about. I like, like I don't sleep very well, if you can believe it. Uh, and every once in a while, I'll wake up and I'll just hear like the noise the woman makes in Cool as Ice, the old, like, the middle-aged woman makes in that movie. Uh, she's just like, whoa. And like I hear that in my head all of the time. It's like a ringtone for my anxiety. Yeah. Uh, it's like, like everybody has one. And mine is that noise. Uh, mine is the uh, the Law and Order dunk dong. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've never seen Cola's Ice because I remember you telling me this story, and I went, "I am never gonna see this." So you can never get any sense of closure from me. You can get it I from un- other people who have seen it. 
So here's the thing. If you if you and your friends are like, we want to watch a bad movie together, Cool as Ice is a legitimately good choice. It's it's as good as Troll 2. It's like, it hits that wonderful place like Troll 2 hits, that Birdemic hits. I actually don't think Birdemic's as much fun, but people like it as much. So I'm going to throw Birdemic in the same category as yeah. The Room hits, as like, like there's a bunch of bad movies that like yeah. people love watching. I think Ice Spiders hits that range. Yeah, Ice um, Spiders, um, the Radioactive Bear one. Uh, I think it was New Grizzly was the name of that. If anybody can find that movie and send me a copy, I'd really yeah. appreciate it. If you're listening to this and you're like, "What do I get? What do I get them as a gift?" Because people love to do that for podcasts for some reason. Uh, please get me a copy of the sci-fi original film that I think was called New Grizzly. I think. I, um, my favorite sci-fi film was the one about the giant snake because it had the winner from Stan Lee's "Who Wants to Be a Superhero" show up that's for fair. two minutes. That's fair. I'll give you that. I'm yeah. I'll give you that. Um, but I just saying, watch, if there's anything you learn from this episode, watch Cool as Ice. Roll on uh, charts, roll on charts, <laughs> get us new Grizzly. <laughs> but, uh, thank you TW for taking this time to sit down with me. Uh, we probably would have just spent this time talking anyway. I'm glad we got microphones in front of <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah. Uh, um, do you have anything you'd like to like say, like to, you know, any, any final messages for everybody at yeah, uh, I'm going to encourage all people, uh, you know, just like, you know, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, anybody who wants to get into tabletop but isn't ready, you could always hop on to start playing. Get Jacob as your GM or uh, yeah. find a free game on there or Roll20 or any of those sites. Uh, yeah. If you want to be a dm gm keeper lore master whatever uh just start reading uh game books like just read as many as you can of all different genre because you'll start to realize like oh i like these mechanics and these mechanics and it will yeah. kind of lead you towards the, the best game for you um also i guess i don't know follow me on twitter at tw warren it's uh, mm. spelled like it sounds um Oh, and uh, for any of you who are interested uh, in the occult, uh, I am releasing my one copy zine of uh, <laughs> Chaos Magic Acid Bath. My, uh, my one copy zine. Yeah, I figured it would be really funny to make one copy of a zine and just leave You're it not somewhere. wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, I had a friend of mine who wanted to do something like that where they were going to do, like, uh, uh, yeah, you knew Zadie. Um, Zadie was gonna Zadie as a pitch for one of their early early album ideas was that they were gonna record them on CDs and put like one track on a CD and then put out like sixty copies around the city and then in like two weeks put out the second song the same way <laughs> in the same locations and then keep stacking it up like that. Oh man, um, such a such a funny idea. God, she's so um, funny. I I love her. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh, I don't know why I said yeah like that. I do too. <laughs> She's great. I, have, uh, I please. Uh, I know she doesn't listen to this, but in case she does, th- thank you for being a friend. Once, uh, is once there... this drops, I'm gonna I'm gonna send it to her with the timestamp. <laughs> Just the struggle in my voice. Um. um yeah. <laughs> oh God. Um. But is there anything anything else there? Because you were hitting a bunch of stuff there. It's all all awesome stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, so um, do drugs. Remember that you are ungovernable. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
read weird occult books and hold your breath until you pass out. Um, yeah. And kiss everyone you know. Mm-hmm. That all sounds true to me. If if they um, ask them first, hey, can I kiss you? Yeah. Get consent. Get consent. Um, uh, I'd like to thank you so much. Uh, I'm just going to uh, uh, throw out here. Uh, I mean, thank you for throwing out Start Playing. Please, like, check out as many games as you can. There's a bunch of amazing indie games out there. Um, and you can feel free to reach out over, like, Twitter or something like that if you don't know what game to check out. Um, there's a game for everything. I've, I mean, I've literally ran a game that's supposed to be Baywatch. Uh, that was such a such a blast. Uh, if you if you GM it, you get to be called Harbor Master, which is just a really fun. That's uh, fun. yeah. It's called Beach Patrol. Highly recommended. It. It's a tiny D six game. Yeah. Uh, truly like takes all of tiny six six is a lot of fun. Um, I'd also like to throw out if only because uh, uh, all puppet players had to cancel the show due due to a COVID uh, thing for the week. Uh, which makes me sad. You should check out all the plays if you're in Arizona, but if you're not in Arizona uh, and you just want to read more about how awful uh, this whole pandemic situation is and how bad it's screwed up everything, uh, I highly recommend reading On Necrocapitalism, a Plague Journal. Uh, it's a collection of like four different essayists uh, who all kind of wrote this one long piece together. Um, it's really, really good. Highly recommend it. Um, and yeah, um, yeah, and uh, I figured yeah. since we're going, uh, I'll finish uh, by reading mm-hmm. off Jacob and Nick's addresses. Uh, <laughs> so let's start with uh, let's start with Jacob's first. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm moving gonna... in like two months. By the time this airs, it will not be right. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, but there's somebody who still lives inside of your house and who may still be leaving, living. No, they're leaving too. You're fine. You're fine. Fuck it. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm gonna. legally allowed. The address is one zero zero six. Okay. This show is made possible thanks to listeners like you. For more great Cheesy Gordita Network content, follow us on social media or go to cheesygorditanetwork.com to stay up to date. Thank you for your support and stay Baja blessed. <laughs>